You're listening to St. Pius 10th Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. Our gospel readings last week and this week are back-to-back in the gospel itself of Matthew. And they're intended to be read together, obviously, and we've broken them up. And so last week, the focus was on fraternal correction and love of neighbor. In other words, when we, when someone sins against us, you know, Jesus was asked, you know, what do we do? And, and he explained what you do. You go to him first privately and you move on from there. And in our second reading last week, we talked about um, St. Paul mentioned that, oh, to no one except uh, love. Oh, no debt to anybody except the debt to love. And, and I think that predisposes us to understanding that there is first a debt to love. We owe that to each other and that's our solidarity. Another theme from last week, that we as a community grow together uh, by us helping each other to become better. And also that in that duty, that in solidarity, that we ourselves you know, are called as debtors to give back, to give back. And that's where we come into this week's readings. And they're set up by reminding us, first of all, about humility. And, and we can't, we really can't function as Christians without that baseline, you know, that we are sinners in need of God's mercy. Otherwise, why do we need God? And scripture tells us that anybody who says they've not sinned is a liar. Anybody who's not sinned, who says they've not sinned is a liar. And so we look at the book of Sirach today and in understanding what love is, and that is seeking the good of another, seeking the good of another. In other words, the ultimate good is salvation. And the solidarity I just mentioned, we are required to love our brother and sister. And in that, the best love is bringing them to Christ, helping them to know God and towards their salvation. And so in our first reading today, we hear, forgive your neighbor's injustice. Then when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. And then it asks the question almost as if it's a silly question to ask. Could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? Could anyone refuse mercy to another like himself? Can he seek pardon for his own sins? And so it's a basic tenet that we all know and we've all heard that we have to be forgiving, we have to be merciful in our lives, and that's a part of our judgment. And how silly it would be if we recognize that we're sinners and we know that God has been merciful to us, then we're not gonna give that same love to our neighbor. And that's what we hear in our gospel reading today, right? Stored gets forgiven, he has somebody who owes him, he doesn't forgive the debt, and he gets in trouble, he gets in trouble with the master. And so we thought with the beautiful part of our Psalm, one of the stroves is to set us up to understand where we are, that God pardons all our iniquities, heals all your ills, redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with kindness and compassion. And so our Psalm tells us what we've received, what we've received and what we are to owe in living a life in Christ. And so we get to our gospel reading today and we have Peter approaching Jesus and he asks him, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive as many as seven times? And many of you know this, but for those of you who don't, it's an important thing to, to note here because it's kind of weird. 
you know, when Peter asked him as many as seven times, <clears throat> you know, why'd you pick that number? <laughs> it doesn't seem like a whole lot. Well, seven is a part of numerology in scripture. And so when you hear the number seven, you have to be kind of thinking, okay, what does that mean? And it means whole or total or complete. Seven was considered the perfect number to the ancients. And so when we think of actually in our church, seven sacraments, the whole incomplete revelation, not that we did that intentionally to make it fit seven, it was what Jesus instituted, but it does. But the seven here is something where Peter is asking Jesus, how often do we have to forgive our brother? All the time? All the time? And Jesus replies, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times. Again, a really kind of odd answer. Okay, 77 times, what does that mean? Because that's not seven. There's no 77 numerology in another gospel. It's seven, 70, just a flat 70. But you know, what does that mean? And I think what Jesus is saying, and there are other people who have, you know, who posit this, who are much better scripture scholars than I am. But I think what Jesus was saying that not only do you have to forgive, you have to do more. You not only forgive, but you love. And that's where we understand God's love of us, is that not only does he forgive us, but he still loves us. And he still wants to bring us to him. And so Peter's question is, how often do we have to forgive? You know, all the time? Not just all the time, you have to love. So let's talk about some of the specific things about forgiveness, because Many, many people struggle with this, and I, I know it happens in families where there's a rupture or a tension in the family relationships. And we're taught to forgive, and commonly it's referred to as you're holding a grudge, right? You're holding a grudge. And how often do I hear that? Talk to people about it. You know, Father, in our family, this has happened, and I really resent this other person. I just can't get over it. Because in the end, getting over it, so to speak, is going to give us peace. And it's also gonna give us a better judgment when the time comes. And so I think a couple of things we have to remember as, as a background. And one is that a lot of people feel that if they still remember a sin or a hurt, or they still hurt from a sin, then they are holding a grudge. And you say forgive and forget, right? And if you haven't forgotten, then you're holding a grudge. And that's not necessarily true at all. Because I think we have to distinguish between holding a grudge and that resentment in our heart versus us having actually been hurt by somebody and the time it takes for that relationship to heal. And there's also the sense of, wait, if a trust has been breached and you've been hurt, then do you maybe need to simply be protective of yourself or someone else? In other words, are you being vindictive or protective in the behavior that you have? You can change behavior towards somebody because they hurt you, and that doesn't mean you're holding a grudge, depending on whether or not it's vindictive. In other words, is it intended to punish or to get revenge? Or is it intended to protect? Maybe it's not good for you to be around somebody. And that can happen. But you have to look into your heart and see which one is it. Is it protective or is it vindictive? And you know, Jesus himself changed his behavior towards people who were hurting him or wanting to hurt him. Just a few weeks back, we heard about his preaching in the synagogue in Nazareth. 
And so he, he's there and he's preaching and they all like him. And then he tells them some things that they don't like. And then they go after him. They want to kill him. They want to throw him headlong down from the brow of the hill. So Jesus disappeared. He got out of there. And so we're not always called to simply be, maybe call a punching dummy. No, we have to use our common sense, but we have to do it in a holy way, particularly if we ourselves are entrusted with the care of someone who we need to have a duty to protect. And so protective versus vindictive. Why are we doing something? We're doing something to protect or are we doing it in vindictiveness? And by the way, see, these are sins of the heart. As I mentioned, the very same behavior outwardly can be both or either protective and vindictive. And so that's something that we have to look at inside of why we are doing something, why are we motivated by it. The world may not see it in the way that your heart is actually reflecting it to you. So that's something where you have to have prayer. You have to really reflect on why you're doing what you are doing to have the proper motivation. But there are some ways for us to examine our hearts. And that's what I kind of want to do in the practical element of go, how do we know whether we're being protective or vindictive? How do we know if we're holding a grudge or whether we have a legitimate hurt? And I think there's three areas, and this is not comprehensive, but there are three things that I personally use, and, and um, I think that maybe you guys would find this helpful about testing to see whether or not our motives are right. Okay, the first is, are, do you pray for the other person? Can you pray for them? Quite simply, pray for their good. Seek their good. Do you pray that they go to heaven? Can you do that? And that's also a little prescription. It's also a little prescription because you know, sometimes people tell me, you know, I can't pray for them. I really can't. I don't want to think about it. I can't pray for them at all. I certainly can't pray with a whole heart. Say, so, well, that's fine. Don't pray with a whole heart. Pray with half a heart. You know, pray with a quarter heart. Pray with a tenth of a heart. But can you just recite a Hail Mary for them, for their intention? And it's amazing how that helps us loosen up our heart if we're willing to do that. And it helps us to have our peace because ultimately that's what the grudge does is it eats us up inside. And so can we pray for them? Another good test, are we happy when good things happen to them and sad when bad things happen to them? Or is it vice versa? Happy when bad things happen to them, you say they got what they deserved. Or that you're upset because something good happens to them and you're thinking, man, they don't deserve that. How do we feel? And that's something, again, on the complete interior. How do we feel when we hear good news or bad news about someone who we suspect we hold a grudge? And then lastly, it goes back to love. Are we able to do acts of charity for them? If they are in a bind, are we willing to help? Are we willing to help with a joyful heart just because someone's in need? Are we able to maybe, if their car is broken down on the side of the highway, to stop and give a helping hand? If we are unable to do those things, then we probably have a grudge. We probably have a piece of our heart that's still holding back. And the goal is, and like I said, we're pretty much a mix on a lot of this until we actually move through the healing process and are able to, quote, get over it in the sense of not having a grudge. But it's a process. We're not like Jesus where we can have the immediate appropriate response. We have to work on it. 
And so when we think of how we handle these things, this common thing that, you know, we ourselves have to, on a practical level within a family, at work, and all of our relationships, even here in our congregation, we have to look at, okay, am I holding a grudge? Where is that? How is that hurting me? How do I allow myself to be healed by God? And if not, maybe take the prescription. It doesn't always work to pray for the other person, but it helps enough to where it's worth a try. I've seen a lot of good results with that. And then how do I come to my peace? Am I letting this person have power over me that only God should have? <laughs> you know, letting someone get into your life in a place where there is a wound and allowing them to affect you more than they should. And so as I said, we pray today as we look at these two scripture passages that we know how to love our neighbor, seeking their good. And then we know how to fraternally correct them when they do wrong last week. And then also today, the interior part of our life, where do we make sure that we are not allowing ourselves to be drawn into the game, so to speak, of holding grudges or resentment or seeking revenge? Where can we have a pure heart of love for that brother or sister? Making sure that when we do things that are protective, that they are protective, not vindictive. And then the three-part test, can we pray for them? You know, can we do acts of charity for them? And are we happy when they're happy? And are we sad when they're sad? If we can do that, then we know that we're over it and we can be at peace knowing that we ourselves are living the way that Christ has taught us.